But there is something incredible about, um, yeah, it's just something super powerful about someone raising their hand and asking for prayer, and then you have the opportunity to just sit still and love them in a powerful way. And yeah, it's the best kind of prayer because you're interceding on someone's clear behalf to God without fanfare, but they're right there with you. And so it's the, man, it's physical, it's relational, it's spiritual. And I've always just felt super connected to pray alongside somebody else, mm -hmm. when, especially when they ask. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's powerful. It is. Ah, that's a good one to say. Well, we got uh, got our bean boots on. We got our dickies on. I just took off my <laughs> my cardigan, but <laughs> and we have two cups of coffee, and we're sitting in orange chairs. It must be a the episode of the Hangover. Here we are, Luke Barrow, uh, Acts chapter nine, sitting in with me. This is Josh Reynolds, and so last night we uh, we watched the story of Saul converting uh, and meeting. Jesus face to face. Yep. How was it? Uh, it was good. I mean, overarching, I think we see Saul's need for uh, love and being known. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we if we can get past that, I mean, we can see. I mean, our answers for the questions that I'm going to have, I think, all correlate back to Saul needing to be known. Mm -hmm. I mean, why else would he travel 150 miles? Well, I mean, he's already what a Pharisee, right? Oh yeah. He's got the power. He's got the knowledge. So he's trying to prove himself, right? That's so good. I mean, what verse are we looking at? Verse two, three? Yeah, absolutely. He's uh yeah right there in two. He asked for letters, uh, from the high priest, and uh, yeah. So when you say prove himself, what do you think that he was? What's grinding underneath the surface there? Because last night when I asked the question, you raised your hand on all of my yeah. answers. Yeah, I think oh, all four, <laughs> definitely. I like all four of them, but I think those all, I mean, those are all motives for sure. But I think there's, I mean, we don't know his childhood. We don't know, we don't know if he had an absent father or this or that. But what we do know is that he sought out Damascus. Hmm. So we have to figure out. Why Damascus out of all? I mean, he's going, you said 150 miles, yep. you know, more or less. So why choose that hike? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, Damascus is um, an oasis in a desert. So contextually, didn't make it into the sermon. Um, but, I mean, we're talking Middle East, and so we're desert. Um, scrub brush <laughs> clumps of grass and then all of a sudden you have a spring and not only oasis as in there's a spring but a big enough spring a, a, a deep enough well of water to build an entire city around it and then this Damascus idea it shows up all throughout the Bible and so if you were running from somewhere through the desert a week's journey um 
yeah, you might feel a little bit safer. And, <laughs> and what a what a metaphor to run from persecution to an oasis, right. to a city of refuge uh, out in the middle of the desert. And so, um, yeah, as persecution spread, people fled Jerusalem. And so Damascus is an obvious choice for a large congregation of refugee fugitives. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why Damascus. Yeah. And Paul's not an I- or Saul. Saul is not, <laughs> he's not an idiot. Yeah. And so he's like, yep, I know where they are. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. he already has the approval of people. We see that in chapter eight. Yeah. You know, they're already laying the coats at his feet. He has that. So why seek out this unless mm. he's needing something internally? Mm. That's super good. So what, so, um, so what do you, hmm, that's so good. I'm, I'm connecting one of the questions we asked last night is what were his prayers like now? Yeah. Versus what were his prayers like then? Because that's the piece that we can't miss on Saul. Saul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees, which meant that he loved the word. He loved the law. He loved Yahweh as much or more than everybody else. Like he gave his life to it. So he definitely prayed and fasted. Yeah. And so if he was searching for something in Damascus about himself. Right. Like when he met Jesus on the road, did that answer, and then he went immediately to three days of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And so the question there was, how is that different? Right. Than all the prayer and fasting for his first thirty five plus years. Yeah. Um I mean honestly like we get the answers of his I mean, sure he might have prayed for some sight back. But realistically, I mean, he knows, he knows the law. He knows it all. Yeah. I mean, I think he's praying. He's thankful for finally having a relationship. Yeah. You know, because he has everything else. He, I mean, he probably would think honestly, being blind, he's probably like, yeah, you know, I probably, this is probably best for me. Thank you for giving me this gift. Now that I can't see, I can't see. <laughs> Yes. Right? I, I totally <laughs> think so. Like when I, so I'm reading my commentaries in prep for this sermon, and all my commentators want to talk about is the irony, is the, the, the twist of fate where the guy who knows everything, he thinks he sees it perfectly, is now blinded. The, the guy who goes to persecute now becomes persecuted. The guy who was confident is now humbled and led by the hand. I mean, mm-hmm. just, yeah. The, the captor is now captive, you know, <laughs> to his... And just, you, I heard that over and over and over. And yeah. so I actually, I agree with you. I wonder if his three days of blindness was actually a point of praise because all he had to look at was the image of Jesus that he now knew in contrast with the darkness and the sin um, of his choices in contrast with his love for the law. And I think he had like this weird love triangle happening. Sure. This love for the law known in Jesus in contrast with his heart. Right. And I think, yeah, three days of nothing mm-hmm. is just to drive you into that deep place. Right. 
And I think that's what he needed because I mean, I, I, I mean, as we jump forward to him meeting Ananias, yes, second Ananias, <laughs> <laughs> we see. I mean, Ananias approaches him, hands on brother. Oh. I mean, that's not what you do to someone who's coming there to kill you, right? I, so I his don't. transformation had to have came prior to. That's good. All right, so let's go to Ananias. So why three days, though? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good question. What's the answer? I don't know. Why three days? Why was? Why is it three days until resurrection? Why? Why do we see three day motif everywhere in yeah. scripture? I think that's the reason why it's three days. Because three days is this storyline. How long is Jonah in the belly of the whale? Three days. Right. How long is Lazarus in the tomb? Three days. How long is Jesus buried and dead? Three days. There's the motif of three, which is, yeah, death. And that's the amazing part of the metaphor is his eyes are open, scales fall, and then he goes straight to baptism. Yeah. It's this idea of death to life, this rebirth. Right. So you are in utero and you are birthed or you are dead and now you're alive. And that's exactly what Saul's doing here mm-hmm. in front of us in chapter 9. Right. And so this transformation of his life going from having all this to losing all that, he's going from having nothing to gaining everything. <laughs> So that was right. that closing so idea, right? Right. So this three-day prayer is the supernatural flip of everything for, for Saul to Paul. Yeah. Seemed to be. Yeah. I'm just excited. I keep wanting to jump forward to Paul. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's good, man. Oh, it's good. All right, take me back to Ananias. Okay. All right, so Ananias... We don't get any context on uh, Ananias, but he has a vision of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so put yourself in Ananias's shoes. Yeah. Um, honestly, for only rebuttaling the Lord once, I would say he is far greater than me. And quite frankly, he's far greater than Big Mo. <laughs> right? Right? Because, like, I just, like, I just, I just can't get out of my head that, like, Moses was raised by the Egyptians with all the wisdom of, of everything. He has it all. He's smart. And yet he says to God, but I, I'm not very good at speaking. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ananias is like, oh, you want me to go meet this guy who I know is coming to kill me? Are you sure? That's all I see. Right. So if that's me, I'm saying... And he I'm does it once. Right. He does it once. And he's like, okay, you got it. Oh, my gosh. We're like, I'm going full Jonah, and I'm jumping in the sea. Okay, so what we get there, like the backside of Jesus' answer, yes, I love that Jonah reference. Uh, what we get on the backside is Jesus says he has seen Ananias coming. Like he's seen mm. you. Mm. He's blind. Right. Oh, man. That, I mean, that. 
So what was his three days like, you know? How did I miss that? Wow, that's right. crazy. So the answer is like in his vision, like there is this, I think whenever you and I hear blind, right. we just think dark. Sure. And I think, and I think Saul is just exploding mentally. And man, wouldn't that be just like Jesus that you've never actually seen more clearly. Right. Even though you got scales. I mean, he even knows the name of the guy that's coming. Right. So my question, I made a joke about it last night, but I'm curious. What does then Saul feel whenever Ananias makes it? Mm. I don't know. Do you think he knows he's coming... To restore his sight? Or are they just coming to welcome him to the faith? Right. <laughs> right. You know? Because either one, I think Saul is grateful for. Right. Either one, this is what he's seeking. Right. Has to be. Because even even if he's not thinking, oh, I want to see again. Right. Deep in his heart, somewhere, he's wanting to see again. Man. Because now, I mean, we assume he's seen so much before. Yeah. Now he's ready to go do something. And we see that. We see him get... Absolutely on fire for yeah. Christ. Now he blows up, right. no doubt. But I don't know. I mean, he's. All right, stand know. outside of Saul's door. Here's the other thing Saul's not yet in the family. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Judas's house on Straight Street. Mm-hmm. And Ananias is outside this door, but that's not people of the way because no one would let Saul in yet right so not only is Ananias going to the persecutor (laughs) he's going to the the persecutors like safe house that he was taken to by the safe by the persecutors posse right like he is straight walking into enemy territory yeah (laughs) oh man right there's just so much detail in this when you start to play it out right man I wish we knew more about Ananias right I mean we can assume oh man we can't yeah Uh, it's just good it's super good uh, one of my commentators said that uh, Ananias is the forgotten hero of the Bible. Um, uh, yeah. I can't remember who said it. I could probably I could probably get it pretty quickly, but um, yeah. But the idea of like this is the guy that ushered in the leading voice since Jesus. Sure. Of the Christian faith. Right. That's insane. That's big, yeah. (laughs) That's insane. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Saul busts it straight back to synagogue. Yep. Took food, baptized, zoinks, and is going straight to synagogue. Well, so what do you think he's saying? Because he's got all the Old Testament, all the all the knowledge of that yeah. with the realization of Jesus the Messiah now. 
So how does he speak truth slantly to mm. these people? You know what sermons he given? Right. Something good has to be, because <laughs> they're astonished. <laughs> <laughs> Are they more astonished at the message or right. the man? Right. Is my question. Yeah, because he could go out there and just tell them what happened. Right. And they'd get astonished. Right. Or he could just say, "Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God," and they'd be astonished. Yeah. Uh, look at twenty-two. Saul grew more and more powerful by proving. I mean, like. Whew. So the thing that I left out last night is um, is is that that Saul is about to dip uh, from Damascus right. for a season. Yep. Um, in those days, is an idiom. So 23, so yep. it transfers from more and more powerful. Right. And then 23 says, after many days had gone by. Okay. That's a, that's a, a Hebrew idiom mm-hmm. to say um, uh, over several years. And so here's the thing. Galatians 1 is the tie back. And what happens in Galatians 1, 15, 16, and 17, Saul says, I was converted in Damascus. And then I left, and then I came back to Damascus and began to go again with all my teaching. And so the jury is out on how long he was away right. living among the, the believers in Galatia. Mm-hmm. But he immediately, um, within days or weeks, he goes to learn how to be a Christ follower, hand-in-hand right. hand with his... Old Testament powerless. And so there's the, there's totally a learning curve that our minds don't catch as we just read this thing straight up. Sure. So your question is correct. Um, so the, the commentators say he's 18 mm-hmm. months to three years right. away in Galatia. And then he comes back. And now he returns. And this is when the conspiracy begins to come about. Because Saul, the persecutor, had this wild conversion experience. Mm-hmm. He stood up and grew in power, but then he left and kind of dropped off the map for a chunk of time. Right. And comes back. And he comes back now to the point where, uh, pretty sure it says, uh, his followers took him. By the time Saul comes back, he's bringing people with him mm-hmm. that are hanging and learning to what he says. Right. That's that's crazy town. How many do you think of those were in his original platoon he brought to persecute? Fantastic question. You know? Right. Because here's the deal. If he's not uh, understudied to his rabbi, uh-huh. then he, by definition, is a rabbi, which means that he then also has his platoon. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So my gut... Would be if he converts, they all converts. That'd be my gut. Sure. Because you follow your rabbi. Right. And if your rabbi says, and now I know, then you now know. Right. <gasps> so great question. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh man. So why why persecute him though? Why why in Damascus persecute him? Yeah. That's a good question. 
I think. I mean, could it come from treason or? Yeah, maybe, yeah, for sure. So everything that he did to followers of the way now is done to him. Sure. For sure. Um, I mean, the, it's the same question as we opened. Is it against him? Is it against his, you know, the Jews that live there? Or is it against their rabbis, their mm-hmm. teachers, their high priests, their God, their religion? Like, Saul is only getting a dose of what he gave to everybody else. Right. So the better question might be, is he surprised? Mm. Like, what goes on in the guy's head where he now goes, oh, hello. (laughs) Hello, kettle, me pot. Honestly, is he surprised? Can't be, right? Can't be. Can't be. No. Because this was him. This was his whole life. This was his life. He knew what he was getting into in that three days of prayer. Straight up. And so that's why it's so powerful to say, does he second guess whenever he's in mm. the context of persecution himself? Right. And that's the, that's the slam that we had to hit was we as, again, we as our Christian America Midwest English reading Bible folk we have to appreciate the power of the light on the road Mm. that just straight stunned old boy right and this is this is the second time he's seen the light at least this is the second time we know he's seen the light okay which one's your first one with? Steven. Did you like that? Yes. <laughs> that was high. <high-fi. laughs> that was that. Are you kidding? What? <laughs> that was so good. And not only did he see Steven's face, <clears throat> but Steven said, look. Look, I see. Right. I see Jesus, the Son of Man, right. next to God the Father at the seat of glory. Like, he, Do you think he turned and looked to see if he could see it too? promise you. <laughs> I promise you. And I don't think he saw Jack. Yeah. I think he saw it, and he didn't see anything, and he was like, I approve of this man's killing. Yeah. Bob. I mean, it's kind of like... It's kind of like the Polar Express. You know that movie? Thankfully, I don't. Okay, so there's a bell, right? And if you ring it, if you believe in Santa, it makes noise. All that believe in Santa can hear the noise make. But all the parents... Oh, boy. They don't hear the bell. They think it's a broken bell. Oh, boy. And so we have Saul, who doesn't believe it, can't see it. So how do you twist? How, what, like in the Polar Express, just play that ga- game out mm-hmm. for me. How do you become one who believes so that you can hear the bell? The Christmas spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so what course. do we need? We need the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, friends, this is why you listen to The Hangover. <clears throat> we begin with intercession. We move all the way to <laughs> the Christmas spirit. Oh, shoot me. So good. I didn't know. I, I, I forgot where we're at. I love it. All right, here's my transition to the big ending. He gets smuggled out of Damascus in the face of persecution. And he goes the 150 miles back to Jerusalem. And it's a repeat of the same story in Damascus. Right. People don't believe him. 
isn't this the man? Like his history, mm-hmm. he is not trapped by his history, but people remember that first. Right. I still think, I mean, this goes back to him in the beginning of the chapter of wanting to take on Damascus. Yeah. And now, preaching the gospel, wants to take on Jerusalem. Mm. So he still has that in his heart of saying, I'm able to do this. And he's got the power of the Holy Spirit now. Yeah. And so we still see, I mean, we still see Saul. So he's still Saul. He's still Saul. Yeah. You know? He's got he's got gifts. He has a gift right. that what hasn't been used for Christ until now. Hmm. It's good. So going to Jerusalem, I mean, he knows what. I mean, he probably thinks even worse is going to happen. Oh, it's you know? right because that's the capital. Right. Like that is the pen. That's the mountaintop place. He's going legit to the temple. <clears throat> um. He tried to join the disciples. Remember, they met every day in the in Solomon's colonnade. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they legit went to the temple every day, and he tried to roll up on them. Right. Favorite part of this story for me is twenty seven. Um, we've heard Barnabas before. Sure. In the other Ananias story, <laughs> like this is this is super cool and. Frankly, I just ran out of time last night. Like, I could have geeked out on Barney for a while. So Barnabas is the guy that sold the field as the example and laid the the money, the proceeds, at the feet of the apostles Mm -hmm. in order to distribute to among anyone who had need. Right. Um, Ironically, they did that in the temple, which is incredible. Mm. So, like, there's this holy act in a holy place from a holy man. Then we get Ananias, Sapphira, who do the same thing and lie and Mm -hmm. zoinks. Right. That happens. And now here we see Barnabas again, means son of encouragement, and he straight up vouches for Saul. Right. So he he was in Damascus then. I mean, how else would he have known that he pe- preached mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus in Damascus, but they didn't know? So how would the word have spread to him and not them? Unless he was there. That's the only that's the only way, right? That's a fantastic question. So what you would not hear Barnabas say is Jimmy told me. Right. What Barnabas said is, Saul has. Yeah. And you cannot say that as a holy man without seeing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Ergo, at some point in that chunk, right. Barnabas might have been one of the persecuted church that was scattered. Mm. Because he's not an apostle. Right. He's a disciple. Right. Barnabas might have got out of Dodge to Damascus. Which is maybe answering our question of in the sovereignty of God uh-huh. while Saul went to Damascus because Barnabas, who's held in really high esteem in Jerusalem, right. might reinstate Saul mm. to Jerusalem. Mm. Speculation. Sure. 
but a fun path to run down. Hmm. So hmm. who's so what is Barnabas? Who was Barnabas? Yeah. He's not a proselyte, right? Hmm. I don't know that off the top of my head. Hmm. A holy man who does a holy act. Because he understands what the Spirit is in him. My gut says he's probably one of the one of the ones that was around or visually like first hand witness, second hand witness on um, Pentecost. Right. Potentially knew Jesus. Definitely has voice in the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, and serves them. Right. The coolest part about Barnabas from this idea is that he will become Saul's journeyman. Like, Barnabas is the one, uh, and a couple others, but it's Barnabas that is clearly known as the one who will travel with right. Saul. Right. And so this is super cool, right? Because... He inserts Saul, mm-hmm. and then he will come underneath Saul right, on the journey. Him. Yeah. Mm. Talk about humble. Yeah. Sit down. Yeah. Be humble. Has to be humble. I mean, he talks about how fearlessly he taught, preaching in the name. Yeah. And so, why wouldn't you want to back that? <laughs> right? Wouldn't you? Because he's back probably that? like, I want to get there. Something. Right. Let's let's follow. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right, again, one more thing. The only reason for this hangover is because there's so much good stuff that you have to leave out. Yeah. So this is the ship smuggling out of Jerusalem. Right. They drop him on a ship and they send him home. Mm-hmm. Tarsus. Right. All right, so here's what, the, here's what the background history is on Tarsus. It's like the third largest city. Right. It has, it's known for its academia. Okay. And it's Greek Hellenistic culture. And so what you've got now is you've got Saul, a Pharisee of all Pharisees, has the entire Old Testament, prophets, Psalms, and Torah memorized, right. who has now seen the resurrected Christ, mm-hmm. has seen the Shekinah for himself, and now what he's about to do is go to the Hellenistic academic capital of the world right. and to learn philosophy, rhetoric, and basically he's going to college now. Because here's the crazy part. He doesn't have that in his repertoire yet. Right. Scholars say that he was there for potentially up to seven or eight years. Wow. In Tarsus, like home. Right. <laughs> so he goes to college and gets a freaking master's degree uh-huh. in all the in all of the Greco-Roman world. Right. Because that's not his world. Right. And so he's about to dip on his religious custom to go home to Tarsus. Because here's the reality. If he was a rabbi under Gamaliel, he was following Gamaliel since the age of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Right. At least by thirteen, he was rolling, and Tarsus wasn't home. Right. And now the guy's late thirties, maybe early forties by this point, mm-hmm. 
he's about to go to college right <laughs> and get a greco-roman worldview because because he's a he's going to go towards acts 16 17 where he says men of athens mm-hmm. i ha- i can see that you are a god-fearing men right and i see that you have an idol to the unknown god mm. would you like to know about him and so what he does is he straight throws down their language right because he honors them yeah. because he goes to study them in Tarsus. Right. Yep. Because Saul the Pharisee couldn't do that. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> Hellenistic Jews, man, they pose so many problems. I mean, weren't we just reading about them getting their the widows neglected, neglected, and they're complaining and all this and that? Well, that's the Hellenistic Jews in Jerusalem. That was mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm missing it. 29, he's arguing with them, and the Hellenistic Jews tried to kill them. Okay. But then they choose to send him off. Here's what's awesome the Hellenistic Jews, uh, I'm, I'm remembering what I studied. It's the same crowd of folks that dipped on Stephen. Mm so it's not necessarily uh, Jewish folk. Right. It's it's le- it's a leadership class within mm-hmm. the Jewish community. But the thing is, these are the people that looked to Saul for approval mm-hmm. forty two three years ago. Right, two three four years ago. Right, and now all of a sudden, they're on him, mm-hmm. and that's why he heads out of town on a ship. Interesting. And the craziest part is that's where he goes to learn. To study for them. Right. Because What a heart change. <laughs> right? He's saying you're persecuting with me because my because our, our conversations aren't going anywhere. They're stopping in their tracks. I've gotta get over that. Hump. Oh man. What a man. What a wild man. Saul <laughs> <laughs> is a wild man. And all this is chapter nine. Like we're right. not even. Yeah. We're not we're even, even into Paul. We're not even to Paul yet. <laughs> Dude, I got this. I got this one article that's sitting waiting in the wings uh, for that sermon, because nowhere do we find that God changes His name. Hmm. Like we see God change names all through the Old Testament. Right. We see Jesus do it. Uh, blessed are you, you'll now be called Simon, mm-hmm. Peter, right. Cephas. Right. Um, yeah. But it's Saul that grabs that name. So I got that one waiting in the wings. We'll see uh, We'll see if it pops itself out or just is only able to show up on a hangover. Interesting. <laughs> so 31, why is it, why is it in there? Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Hmm. Can we assume this is where this is where he went in his vacation from Damascus? It's a great question. It's a great question. So, um, I think what we're getting here from the author is the answer of what Jesus said: "You will be my witnesses uh-huh. to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth." Yeah. I think that's what we're getting here in the clarity of, remember, Luke is a writer. And so this isn't a, a, a 
like this isn't a chronological bit by bit. Mm-hmm. This is a, I need you to capture what is happening. Right. The outcome of, and I, in my sermon notes, I wrote, duh. <laughs> because the number one persecutor is now the number one advocate. Right. So of course there's a, a different level of peace now that shows up in the world for the Jewish young church right that now Samaria is invited into because of Simon the sorcerer Mm -hmm. last time right um and Ethiopia you know is starting to hear that gospel news and remember Acts 2 people from all over the ends of the earth were in Jerusalem for this God fears and now they're back and so what we're gonna watch throughout the rest of the span of Acts is how that hope and the church spreads into the ends of the earth. Right. But it's going to be through the lens of Saul. Like we're going to pivot hard yep. second semester. So next week is uh, Cornelius and the Gentiles. Um, so Peter yep. and the sheets. And then uh, Peter's going to have to go defend himself to Jerusalem. <laughs> so he's coming back. And then you're going to meet my girl Dorcas, which is a ridiculous name. Uh, <laughs> Dorcas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's her name. Uh, Ron- Rhoda? Oh, Rhoda, Rhoda, Rhoda. I was way off. Rhoda is going to be there. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so that's 12. Um, and then Barnabas and Saul. When we hit Acts 13, I mean, we are on the journey right. with Saul. And so we got... Um, the early church, uh, church in Antioch, carry Curry in two weeks, and then we've got, yeah, a little prison ministry, and then we've got, yeah, the close down of the semester. When we come back for second semester, I mean, it's all just on location in Iconium, in Jerusalem, uh, the journeys. Philippi, just bang, 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 Thessalonica. And the greatest part is out of all these different locations comes the letters for the rest of our Bible. Right. So that's going to be the joy for a bit of the hangover Mm -hmm. is to read the epistle letter hand in hand with the journey letter. Yeah. So good. Can't wait. All right. Thanks for tuning in on the uh, hangover podcast. Luke Barrow, Josh Reynolds. If you got questions, I'll take them. Josh at csfna.org if you want to get a hold of Luke. Uh, L-U borrow at I-U dot <laughs> I don't know. Email me. Shoot, phone call me. Shoot him a, a phone. Shoot him a message. <laughs> Tell him he was right on half of what he said. He'll love it. All Maybe right. Half, though. Thanks for the good stuff. Have a great day.